0: Hey y'all, it's Jake and Joe here from Blackboard Barbecue. Let's get fired up! Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the can burns is a barbecue or Tales from the Pits.
1: Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian and Andrew, and we are out here in beautiful Sisterdale, Texas with. This is Joe and Jake. And you folks are with blackboard barbecue
2: yeah buddy blackboard barbecue which you may have seen in the news recently been garnering a lot of accolades a lot of attention deservedly so oh well thank you (laughs) let's let's get into it a bit let's find out how this got started for you guys and how you got where you're going now Uh, Joe we'll start with you what's kind of your barbecue culinary background or uh, how did you start in the food industry
3: Um, Barbecue is not my background. Um, I am actually a Le Cordon Bleu chef. Um, I was trained at Le Cordon Bleu in Austin probably like 15 years ago. And Jake likes to uh, make fun of me because I said it was one of the things on my bucket list, and that's why I did it. I had a great career um, as a salesperson for Sprint and Nextel for a long time. And um, I moved to Austin. Okay, I'm not
0: laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Okay,
3: whatever. (laughs) And I moved to Austin and... um, I had always wanted to go to culinary school. I'd always wanted to learn how to cook better. I grew up with five brothers and sisters. My mother was a terrible cook. My grandmother was a terrible cook. And I was sick of eating the food that my family was putting out. So when I was growing up, I thought, I want to learn how to cook. And um, so I took over cooking in my family and did the best that I could for a long time. And then I had three children of my own, three boys, and fed them a lot of food all the time. But I wanted to learn how to be a better cook. So kind of like a bucket list thing, like... Jake says, is um, that <laughs> I decided to go to culinary school. And it was actually probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life was the you know, two and a half years of nonstop school while I was working full-time in Austin. So I graduated, and I was not planning on using it as a career. I had a great career making a lot of money, and I moved back to Fort Worth, and I got the opportunity. That
0: was in the drug smuggling, or was that in the human trafficking? It was
3: in the culinary world. (laughs) That's right. So I moved back to uh, Fort Worth, and one of my first phone calls I got was from a good friend that um, knew a girl that was um, the assistant to a football player, a Dallas Cowboy football player. So she called me up, and she asked me about doing a party. I didn't know anything about how to charge people. I wasn't going to use that as a career. I didn't plan on doing catering or anything like that. And, uh, so I called one of my chef friends, one of my chef instructors from school and said, how much should I charge? And he said, Oh, charge $25 an hour. So I called the lady back and I was like, Hey, it'll be $50 an hour. And she's like, (laughs) okay, we'll do it. So, um, I went and did this, uh, Catering for this gentleman, and I wound up being his personal chef for a couple of years. Roy Williams from the Dallas Cowboys, yeah.
2: former UT wide mm-hmm. receiver, or no. are we talking time the safety from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. There's two Roy Williams. Yes. Sorry, we're, yes. we're going to go football yes. nerdy. And for so,
3: a since I'm a Sooner fan, that was a perfect opportunity. And I worked for Roy for like two and a half years, and he introduced me to a couple of other players, and I got to do a lot of fun stuff for him. Um, it was mostly personal chefing stuff. So my background was more in health and nutrition than um, like culinary, you know, restaurant type things, because I was developing meal plans for him for off season and on season. So sometimes we'd have to calorie load him. And then sometimes we'd have to put him back to where he needed to keep his weight consistent. So well, it was a hard
2: hitting safety for a long time. So it sounds like you did your job well. Yeah,
3: so. Yeah. so I was and um, so that was cool. I got to do that for three, three years. And then um, in um, my personal life, I had a, a really bad experience since I lost a child to suicide, which is an important part of My story in general Um, and so my son passed away and I didn't cook I didn't do anything for quite a few years and um, after about three or four years I got myself back up on my bootstraps I was living with some friends in Austin who helped me through my hard times Um, I had some money saved because um, I had left sprint and I had uh, a package when I left so I had money saved so I didn't really need to have to work for a couple of years and uh, and then I decided to not drink alcohol anymore, and I got into recovery. So five years later, here I am, um, living a life I never, ever thought that I would have, doing something I never thought I'd do, working in the restaurant business. Because I always said, when pigs fly is when I'd own a restaurant, and here I am today. But um, So that's an important part. Those things are an important part of what happened, kind of to get me where I am today, is that... That, um, you know, the recovery, losing you know, a child to suicide and then being able to have a good life after that. So here we are five years later, um, your turn.
0: Good job, babe. (laughs) Let's
2: start at the beginning with you. (laughs) Well, in the beginning,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I've been cooking for a long time. You know literally i've had a knife in my hand since i was like five years old uh butchering you know deer and and uh game and birds and uh whatever we were out hunting and gathering where i come up and uh you know in the barn with the old man where'd you grow up uh i'm a yank i come up back east and uh grew up in the hills you know hunting and fishing and, and all that and uh so i got after it really early as far as things go and uh I kicked my dad off the grill when I was probably 11 years old because, you know, you heard of that book, Fifty Shades of Grey, in the movie and all that. He had two shades of grey when it came to <laughs> cooking, and two was plenty, believe me. And, uh, you know, we go out and hunt, hunt hunt these animals and take them and, you know, get them all, you know, get everything hung and prepped and aged and all that and skin them down butcher them up and just do everything right. Because you got to be responsible from the moment you take the life to the moment, you know, it hits your palate. I mean, that's... That's where it's at. That's how it should be. And, uh, man, we get right to that crucial moment right at the end, you know, when the meat's on the grill or in the pan or whatever it is. And the whole thing would just go south. And I said, man, I can't do this. I can't I just can't do this anymore.
2: You're, you're definitely not the first person in barbecue that's told us they, they got into food and cooking because they couldn't take their, their parents' cooking Yeah, anymore. it's
0: like that, you know, uh, necessity of the mother of <laughs> all and whatever, anyways. But, uh, I've
3: invention.
0: Yeah, so that's how that sort of um, kicked it off. And, and uh, you know, he was good. He was good, like, doing big like big things like i cooked my first you know pig with with the old man when i was like 13 you know probably done 100 pigs since then and and uh we used to do like you know this game dinner with this hunting outfit we were involved with uh we did all these different feeds every year to to raise money and put on these big banquet style deals and that's kind of uh what kind of started me in cooking for like big groups and big numbers of people and whatnot, which certainly, you know, came in handy later on in life with catering and all that. And, you know, we'd throw a a hind quarter of beef on an old, you know, pit, cinder block pit and let that thing work all day or all night, you know, coming into these events. So anyways, my upbringing was very much like a hunter-gatherer kind of vibe, which laid down the... The framework and the and the tracks for uh, where I've where I've got to today, and I pull from that pretty regularly in menu design and different things we do here at the Smokehouse that aren't necessarily always about what's coming off the smoker. You know, we do uh, underground supper club called Hoof and Feather, mm. and typically, you know, there's not a lot coming off the smoker on that. We tap into different sort of avenues for inspiration for that and really kind of get our chef nut off you know uh joe's path was a lot more direct than mine i definitely am more of the road scholar with it and took the long way home as far as you know cooking and you know sort of building my toolbox or my bag of tricks up so 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 what you, you know you you grew up cooking you, you transitioned
2: into cooking a lot of the meats because it wasn't necessarily your dad's forte the cooking portion of it how did it become a career option for you something that you could do for a living
0: well i'll tell you what and i tell this story a lot miss Fraser's class career day north <laughs> Canaan elementary school sixth grade circa 1980 i uh they said write down three things you want to do with your life you know and everybody's like well you know fireman policeman you know rocket scientist you know all that right whatever i uh I wrote down two things. There was only two things I wanted to do. I wanted to be a trucker, like my old man, and I wanted to be a chef. And by golly, I've whipped the hell out of both of them. <laughs> and uh, it was in heavy construction for a long time, cooking on the side, and you know, doing kind of events and stuff like that and whatnot. Uh, I think I even
1: in construction, you know, I, I mean, my brother as a welder and in construction, there's a lot of cooking out on the pits while while they're working, right, for lunch. And so there is there is live fire and grilling and cooking and smoking. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's funny, we were just talking about this the other day. I still like touch on that. Like I'll be prepping things in the kitchen or I'll look at like the way a batter kind of rolls out of the out of the the bowl when I'm mixing or doing something for like, you know, like our old like our fritters, like our corn fritters. And I'll look at that like it's like it's concrete you know coming out in the slump test you know like when we used to have to test the stuff we were working on bridges right
2: that's literally my job
0: i'm I'm a cmet project manager so you can understand where i'm coming from and i look at how that batter's dragging off the inside of the bowl and i can tell if it's too wet is
2: that a four and a half or is that a seven
0: (laughs) actually right now you're at about a seven i need you at about a four and a half just calm down i uh I, I literally though, I, you know I, I touch on that stuff still to this day in the kitchen. I'll look at things a certain way or, or you know you know, dig back into that from that construction part of my life uh, beforehand and and it's funny how that stuff is applicable, you know in its own sort of way. In the kitchen. everything
1: everything through life has certain influences on on what your final product is.
0: You know yeah. it really does. It really does. And uh, so anyways,, uh, back to the point, you know there was there was two things uh, and and like I said, you know, being a trucker like the old man and and i just always had this passion to to cook and and i really wanted to be a chef and that was the thing and and uh i didn't really get into it seriously you know until way later in life uh and just kind of one day up and decided i was i was done uh sort of playing in the mud with the big iron and um decided to really get serious about my cooking and uh you know there about that time you know, shortly thereafter, I had the opportunity to uh, get involved with a little production called Master Chef. You know, it was the first season, Gordon Ramsay, and somebody brought it to my attention. They said, you should check it out, man. You know, and it was a real, as a matter of fact, we kind of deal and super random. And I said, if I don't run this up the flagpole, I'll probably regret it. So I showed up one day down in Los Angeles. And, with
1: and was, was he well known, I mean, to you at that time? Oh, I mean, yeah. Obviously, he's a well-known it's, chef, but... Very much, you know. So you mainstream. knew what you kind of knew what you were getting into. Yeah, I mean, you know,
0: TV time was coming on hard. I mean, um, the food truck scene was really starting to pop at that moment too, and especially
2: you know, in LA with Roy Choi and everything. Was going absolutely, out there. I mean,
0: LA, Portland, Austin, obviously Miami. You know, huge players. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that moment, and so this was all sort of in that sim- same time frame, you know, in that same kind of window, and so yeah, you know, the being the hot rod rock star, you know, TV chef was a thing, and that was coming on just like the uh, food truck scene was, you know, so. I was definitely well aware of Gordon and what he was about, for sure. So, uh, I threw my hat in and, and uh, it turned out I was really good on camera and good at just being me and it turned out that the big guy could cook and, uh, you know, I fastly became America's little sweetheart on that deal and, you know, I'm real proud of everything that we did. I kicked ass and took some names and and uh, had a blast. I would I would do it again in a minute. It was just a kick. and. And what drove me was to be able to work with, you know, Gordon and to be able to work with Graham Elliott. You know, Graham and I, the big man from Chi-Town, man, we hit it off. And... I ended up working with him a ton and it was just I mean I got to work with Kat Cora you know I mean hello Iron Chef I mean you know you get with people like that that are better than you clearly more advanced than you in the kitchen and have the chops you know and really put the time in you know check your ego with the curb just shut the hell up put your head down and get to work and hold on to him as long as you can you know it's like when you're racing motorcycles there's always somebody faster as soon as that dude comes by just hold on to him as long as you can pick his line Learn, learn as much as you can. Exactly yeah. in that moment, you know, take what you can in that moment, and then apply it. You know, whether it's the next lap or the next time in your, you're in the kitchen, apply the knowledge.
2: For for anyone listening now, we had an off am off mic conversation where uh, there's some Tim the Toolman bonding going on <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Brian over motorcycles and racing. <laughs>
1: so. <laughs> 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 like that. so Jake Jake has a history in racing as well. So we don't we don't have to go into a lot of detail, but. Um, definitely racing and cooking around racing as well. So,
0: um, well, it's very much a brotherhood, as you know. I mean, the the road racing community, whether it's two wheels, four wheels, whatnot, whatever, it's a huge community. It's a big brotherhood, lots of love, and uh, I think that you know the the chefing community and certainly the barbecue community. Uh, there's a lot of parallels there, and a lot of what we do at Blackboard is all about building unity in the community and. We don't say it just because it's cheeky and it rhymes. Uh, you know, we mean it. Point in case, we do our smoked in-house ground wagyu burger on thursday nights only right out here a dollar off the top of every one of those orders at the end of the run we're going to cut a check to the sisterdale volunteer fire department a half mile down the road because we believe in unity in the community we feature local beers you know for that night as part of the package because it's local you know keep it local in the community we're featuring you know american wagyu texas raised wagyu beef you know again sort of in our local texas community so uh we say those words uh because we mean it and we believe in it
1: so, yeah. so I, I have to i have to jump in and ask my wife would probably kill me if i didn't um so how did you do with the risotto and the scallops
0: on <laughs> uh master
1: Chef? on master Chef, yeah. i did fine
0: i mean <laughs> you, you, you talk about just, the dish that i
1: played no 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 just in general so every every season it's a it's an inside joke with us every season There's people that always struggle with risotto and scallops. And it's like the first season is different because you you didn't know what to expect. By by season 20, you should know. By season 20, (laughs) you should go practice risotto and scallops before you go
0: into this school. no doubt. Well, I'll tell you what. uh, The both of them, when done right, is certainly enough to to curl your toenails. And uh, we just, as a matter of fact, on... Uh, New Year's Eve, I probably just ate the best risotto I've ever had uh, in my life that would probably, you know, shame Gordon's. I have to look around to make sure there's no errant bolts of lightning flying around right now just muttering that. But, uh
1: swinging down calling you a donkey.
0: Yeah. Yeah, t- <laughs> yeah. No, it was actually a swan. He a said, swan. Jake, you move like a swan. A really big swan. That was his, that was his thing. Anyways. Gordon's a sweetheart. For all you out there uh, that really want to know you know who Gordon Ramsay really is watch The F Word it's one of his early productions from across the pond it's called The F Word and you really get to see him interact with his family you get to see him out you know hunting and fishing and you know like taking game for example which you know obviously speaks to me uh and and preparing you know stuff and cooking in the kitchen and there's a competition element to it as well uh it's a kinder gentler it really Gordon. is. You he's get a, to you get to see you all. see you
3: can see the humanity behind him.
0: I that's
3: mean, right. He's a supposedly from. He's supposedly a great guy. He really you is. You get to see that on that yeah. show. If you yeah. haven't watched it, yeah. you should definitely. Well,
2: and, yeah. You know, everyone has to keep in mind it's TV. You're yeah. you're trying yeah, any, to appeal you're to audience. Sprinkle Hollywood in, right? Absolutely, you know, yeah. absolutely. The bullshit factor goes you know, up
0: a couple. <laughs> it has
2: to. I mean, that's you're, you're trying to keep I, people watching. So I can't even watch him
0: anymore because because <laughs> I like Gordon and I think we're friends and I just. <laughs> I don't want to be there when his head actually explodes off the top of his neck. I don't want to be there for that. But moment. the
2: ratings are going to be fantastic. Yeah, when that the happens.
0: ratings will explode too. I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Did you did you apply the the slump when you were doing the risotto?
0: You know, it hadn't occurred to me <laughs>
2: yet. It just hadn't occurred to me yet. It was one of those things that was slow developing. There you go. Yeah. So, so somehow through this magical, you know, happenstance, you had your career and that and that was blossoming and you know we were in food and in catering and then you had your career going on how did this converge and how did this become a a barbecue century centric business for you guys
3: tinder we met on tinder he wants to tell a different story and he's going to tell it and it's not even the truth that we met at a hotel
2: <laughs> it was e-harmony holiday, <laughs>
1: holiday
3: in express on whatever whatever on riverside but no we really did meet on tinder okay it's kind of cool i was you know like dating we're dating yeah. we're in the dating scene
0: yeah we're modern I, we're modern and hipsters. I was like oh
3: yeah this guy he's a chef you know it's not like my typical guy but he's a chef I'm gonna go ahead and swipe right you know so I swiped and like a day later he he messaged me back and I gave him my phone number and we talked and then I we made a date to go meet some more because he was gonna be in Austin at the time and first he was like I didn't even know how I could have actually found him on Tinder, because if y'all are familiar with Tinder, you can set, like, a mile radius. Oh, you're not, because We're, married.
2: we're our old married We're not, not allowed to say if we were any of
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> like yeah. like, If any of us answered yes, yeah. it would be the last episode of this show. Ixnay on the <laughs> yeah. ender take. Yeah. Ixnay on the ender You
3: You set mileage. Like, I only want to date people, like, in a 10-mile radius or 20-mile radius or 30. So I was like, I lived in downtown Austin. You know, I was – I had – I wasn't gonna go anywhere, like to the country, you know. So, I don't even know how we met because his where he lives was way off my radar, and it. But it just, we did meet. But we did meet, and then we he we go out to meet on our first date. I send him some. What I
0: bring you flowers, chocolate. He brings me prosciutto. Prosciutto and I had made. I knew, like, love it. Handmade so like, like, yes, This dude
3: I had... is standing here at this restaurant that I sent him to that's closed. It's, close. it's, sent not me even open it's closed. me to a joint that's closed. I'm
0: like, what is this, some sort of sick joke?
3: <laughs> and so I walk across street. He sent you to Snow's on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't even know. <laughs> and I, I walk up, and I see him standing there, and I'm like, oh, there he is. And he's got a bag in his hand, and he hands it to me. And I open it up, and it's meat. And I'm like, this <laughs> is my God.
2: You had me at prosciutto. <laughs> and it ended up being convenient, since there was no
0: food to eat at that restaurant. Are ready for, ready for media consumption, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now,
3: yeah. We, we actually did go, go to a restaurant. We
0: went and shot part. oysters. Mm.
3: And then it, the rest... They say
0: they're an aphrodisiac.
3: <laughs> so the rest is history. So then here we are, you know, a couple of years
0: later. And then what happened on our second date, Joe... Our second day. Yeah, I met you at the Holiday Inn Express, and I sang you a Cody Jinx song, and you came in. You didn't even know I sang or played, and you fell in love with me. And now that's when the rest is history. Yeah. 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 So to say that. So we have to ask which song. uh, Cast no stones.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. I I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: You don't even know who Jinx is. (laughs) I've heard the name.
1: I think he's at the Houston Livestock Show this year. I think. We just
0: saw him at the Majestic
3: in Dallas. He did a like an acoustic. It was. Amazing.
1: Maybe he'll be at red dirt
0: this year. Maybe.
3: He's he's pretty awesome. Sure. That's kind of where it all started. Cody Jenks,
0: right? come out to Blackboard Barbecue, buddy. <laughs> come on, Cody. You need to play out here. We'll, we'll, we'll tag him when we post Everybody's this Everybody's doing
1: it. <laughs> well, Everybody's doing it. And we can talk a little bit about the location, because obviously you're a virtual stone's throw from Lucanbach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of very famous people that pop in randomly at Lucanbach. The first
0: show I ever saw at Lucanbach was, indeed, Cody Jenks. No joke. Yeah. First, very first show I ever saw there. hmm my yeah. 2
1: favorite—I saw a "Sleep at the Wheel." Yep, uh, for Valentine's Day, sure. a couple of years ago, and yep. that was a great one.
0: Yeah, Thomas Michael Riley—you know—he's a regular down there. We celebrated our one-year anniversary here with Thomas Michael Riley on the 33 Chevy-powered bandstand we built out front. Did us a fundraiser, kicked off a uh, scholarship, started the scholarship in and, in uh, and a friend of ours' uh, name. Had passed; he was in law enforcement, Mr. Mike Casey, and we started off a scholarship fund in his name for students all kids all in, in the this county kendall county and surrounding counties that want to go into law enforcement and all that and mr thomas michael Riley was kind enough to come out and headline that gig for us and all that speaking of the lukenbach community
1: very cool yeah. and very of cool.
0: course our lukenbach lollipops right yes yes, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah
1: we'll get to the food oh, the yeah, we, we, have, we definitely
2: have to get into we're gonna this menu because those lollipops were, yeah. were, were very much Hyped. We had heard so much about them before we ever came, yeah. and they probably it's exceeded. It's pretty even damn the hard to exceed our oh, oh, you're sweet. That's, that's very kind. Of they good. were. They were really. You know, really
0: we Those are our people. Looking back, you know, I play and sing, like I said, and you know, I have certainly spent you know my share of time down there in the picker circle and all that, and and those are our people. So it was important us to include them, uh, in in our ride. And you know, we're all pissed in the same pond out here. Small town, small community. It's important we promote each other. So.
1: And and how did you pick Sister Dell? I mean, how I did think that you come about? Us. Like yeah, I think it's, it was more like that. Because so we kind of skipped a little piece, right? So, and, and I apologize because we jumped around a little bit. We always do. Oh that.
0: look, there goes a the chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: look, a rabbit, um, squirrel. So, it, so from from dating, right? Uh-huh. It, how did that transition into let's open a restaurant and let's open a restaurant out here? Two
3: months after we, um, after we had started dating. Is in February, yeah, because we started dating in November. In February, this place, Jake knew the people who owned it before, and this place was closed down. And Jake's like, "Hey, Joe, we should do a pop up." And I was like, "Oh, sure." You know, we just barely knew each other. I was like, "Oh, cooking in the kitchen with Jake, I don't know about that." But let's let's try it. And his friend had come in from California, and uh, he was, a sh- he's a chef also. His friend. Colby,
0: Mr. Colby Reed,
3: and so Jake's like, "Hey, we got three chefs. Let's do this, and then let's ask the guy John, who owned the place. Let's ask him to be, you know, like a guest chef in this thing. We'll do four chefs, four wines, four courses, and so we did that. Two months later, sold it out in how long? A week, five days. Yeah, we sold Those are
1: the Sisterdale Shindig Society. Yeah, that's right. We put it on that <laughs> ice, board, that arrow
3: board, yeah. and uh, that was the first time that me and Jake cooked together." professionally was there and then we all got tattoos afterwards the joint had been
0: sitting (laughs) dormant for like two years right john and Lori maywald had the joint uh and were they were running it as a smokehouse you know they it was they only ran it like a couple three or four days a month literally it was sort of a hobby thing they were fixing to retire into and uh it had um you know just through turn of events the way it shook out they had to get out of it but they still had the property and all that so the joint was just sitting here for a couple years dormant and uh we were hanging out one night and I said to Lori we should do a pop-up over there she said that sounds great what's that you know (laughs) and I gave her the lowdown we just throw the lights on for one night and you know do some highfalutin stuff and all that and Throw a different look at it, and, and uh, on the menu, and, and uh, sounds like our first pop up. Said they knew what they were doing. Yeah. yeah, well, we watched a lot of it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: and, and ours stemmed from not wanting to do com- uh, competition anymore. So sure. was, we were frustrated with that, and said we can cook barbecue we want to cook.
3: So um, we did that first pop up. And then um, Jake was the executive chef down at Sister Creek Ranch where we live. And I was still living in Austin at the time. We hadn't, like, together, gotten together together. We did some You traveling. mean in a biblical sense? Well, whatever. <laughs> we, we traveled that year. We went to Spain. It was super exciting. And then um, the next year, at the end of the year, we were trying to make some, like, what do we do about our relationship and so I decided to move out to Sisterdale. I was in Austin. I had some personal chef clients that I was cooking for. I did meal planning for people. So I would drop food off at their house. And, um, and Jake was like, he was ready to retire uh, from the executive chef and kind of figure out what he was going to do. We had already planned a trip to um, Italy and Austria and Switzerland for 17 days. So we had some exciting stuff coming up and we we're like, Hey, we should do one more pop up over there at the, you know, at the smoke house. So we, Talked to John and Lori, and uh, started making the arrangements for it. And uh, they said something like, basically, and we thought we had thought anyway, because every single time him and I ever passed this place and it was closed down, we would both do that side head turn thing and then turn back and look at each other and be like, "Damn, that would was, be, a to, to time, be a great place to." it'd be a great yeah? place to have. It's a great little spot. It's a great little location. When we cooked in here the first time together, it felt like home. Like. You went in the kitchen and you immediately felt like I belong here. This is my, my place. This is it always it always felt like that way from the beginning. And so um they were like, You should buy it and we were like, No, and pigs fly basically the same whole thing we'd always said. We got plans, you know, we have all these plans. And you know what happens when you make plans and the universe says, Ha ha those plans are not my plans. So, um we did that second pop up and we started talking aggressively about, you know, like should we do this? Should we try to open it up? And we, at first, there was some issue about being a barbecue person because Jake doesn't want to be put into a box. And tattooed big guy, you know, barbecue-looking guy, hunter-gatherer you know, gatherer kind of guy. He didn't want everybody to think of him just as a barbecue man. He's got, there's more depth to Jake than that, right? And so we were like, so should we open as a barbecue place? Well, we didn't want to do a regular restaurant. There's no, like, it's impossible in the kitchen over there for us to do, like, all-minute service. There's no way for us to do it. We talked about it, and then we, we told John Laurie, okay, we, we seriously considered doing this. And, but we had some internal stuff that we were like, I'm also an accountant, so I have a, a history in, like, budgeting and finance and that kind of thing. So we said, let's look at the numbers, and what do we have to do to make this work, like, realistically? What do we have to have in the bank? What do we have to invest in this? And, you know, like, what's going to happen? So we took a hard look at stuff like that. We were like, maybe we can make it work if we did this. And if this happened, we can make it work. And then all of a sudden, all these things started happening that we said, like, you know, like put this little t- timescale, like if we had this much money, you know, we could do it. And then all of a sudden we had this much money, you know, like things just started happening. And uh, they asked us, well, what are y'all going to open it up as, so, you know, some kind of nice, cool, fine dining place you all our chefs? We're like, no, we're going to open up a barbecue place. And they were just stumped when we said that.
2: So where did the the name Blackboard come from?
3: There was several. Well, we we wanted it to be Hoof and Feather, our underground supper club. And we said it to so many people. That's like, that's what we wanted it to be called, Hoof and Feather. We thought it was a cool name.
0: It is a cool name. It
3: is a great name. And then we'd say it to people and they would be like, what does that mean? And we would be like, well, I guess that's not going to be catchy enough. So now we use it as our supper club. Jake, you know, he's thought about it we thought about it, he threw stuff around and we blackboard just sounded good chalkboard what do you always say
0: uh if i fuck it up it's back to the drawing board basically <laughs> on the brisket is mainly what i say every
3: place has it every and then every yeah every barbecue place has a blackboard chalkboard but there
0: is it. no blackboard barbecue every joint you've ever been into has got a blackboard there's a drawing there's a chalkboard in the joint but there is no Blackboard Barbecue. So at that point, it just made sense. And it makes for a cool brand, <laughs> the two, the reverse Bs, the back-to-back Bs with the Q around it instead of a circle like a typical brand, you know, with the BBQ. Anyways. And when we yeah, to brand, the-
1: branding is, is very important. <clears throat> I mean, in building a brand and, and having – I mean, the name recognition, I mean, the, the trouble that you went to to ensure that is is absolutely critical. I mean, we've seen some places that have – very poor branding and very poor social media sure. and, and it, it can affect your business quite a bit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or,
2: or, I mean, something as simple as barbecue not being in the name. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people don't know what kind of restaurant it even sure. is. I mean, well, well,
1: like, for example, Hoof and Feather. I mean, people right. would
3: have been, it would have been confusing to people. Yeah. But now when we say it for the supper club, it makes perfect sense. Right. We say right. our right. underground, you know, supper club series. Sure. And it's, now we still get to use that name. So, yeah. so that's how that happened.
2: So the menu at Blackboard was that what's on the menu now it was that kind of the menu from the
0: beginning or has it evolved over time or no it was the menu mm-hmm. from the beginning it was a very simple concept uh-huh. uh three, I, I would not call your menu simple <laughs> what, I mean, what i mean by that is keep it simple and don't try and overcomplicate it you know don't try to be everything to everybody it's it's a common mistake that you see a lot of chefs and a lot of first-time restaurant tours make what's the what's the failure rate like Sixty percent in the first six months, or it's something huge. like that, of new joints that pop up—it's ridiculous. And then, you know, out of that, maybe half half of the joints make it the first year uh, out of that number. So, you know, don't don't try and overthink it. Don't try and overcomplicate it. That's what I mean by keep it simple. We had three desserts, four proteins, and five sides. Three, four, five—that was the concept for the menu. And then we just needed to come up with what we wanted to do and fill in the blanks, and and stick to it. You know, stick to your guns and. And if there's one message that I can, you know, really sort of put out there and broadcast to anybody that's thinking about getting into any sort of restaurant ship, restaurant ownership, and make no mistake, you don't own it, it owns you, that's for sure, uh, is just keep the concept simple. Don't try and reinvent the wheel and be something you're not, especially just figure out who you are. And stick to your guns, stick to your mission, stick to your Watch menu. Messages. You know, mm-hmm. you just can't be everything to everybody all the time. So do a few things and do them well. When people ask us, Joe or I, what's your favorite thing on the menu? What do we gotta have? All of it. I mean, there's not there's no throwaway items, you know. Because you
1: narrowed it down enough to where we it, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah, we really have. And and we've given each and every item the love and the respect that we feel it deserves so that you know y'all as the consumer get that love and respect right and and
2: that's really good advice i mean it's one thing that that we've heard constantly and especially in a growing barbecue market where there are more and more joints opening up big cities small towns it's there's a lot of pressure on new business owners to to try to do something unique and big and grandiose to stand out you know, cause a lot of people that open up barbecue joints these days think I can't just do three, four, five things. I have to do 50 things. I have to do eight kinds of burn ends and three kinds of ribs and this and that. And it's hard to do four meats. Well, every day, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, trying to do eight meats well and seven sides it's it it's a monumental task especially as a new business owner so something
3: wound winds up not being I mean like our original notes that I see because I still have my notebook from our original notes and we did talk about potato salad we did talk about beans and then we immediately threw it out the door we were just like that's not us we we don't want to be like everybody else let's figure out different ways to take the food that we like the things that we enjoy eating ourselves and put it on the menu so that other people can eat it too but we were just like yeah no nah, we don't want to do that and of course now you see it's on the back of our shirts so <laughs> no beans no potato salad no apologies
1: Thank let's let's go Chuck down Blount. some of this first i think let's start with the proteins um, <clears throat> you know the the you guys have wagyu brisket as well as regular um, that's, well, that's a, I mean, that's a conscientious decision. Regular, regular, regular yeah, a little yeah. bit of an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know exactly Maybe I downplayed. driving
0: here, <laughs> <of your>
1: <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's obviously a conscious decision to, to go with Wagyu out here in the country. I mean, what was, what was the motive for that?
0: Well, I mean, we wanted a Texas raised beef. We wanted Texas raised brisket and it's, you know, I'm sorry to say there's just not a lot of great product out there at least not it's available to us
3: not by our standards There's available to us and there's a lot of there's a lot of people that already are saturated in the market and well you know like you guys know who the players are and you know we can't get some of the meat so he hunted for what we could get
0: so bearing that in mind it just happened to be that you know this wagyu from rosewood ranch was about to hit the market at the time that um that we were looking for something to fill the void and they were getting serious about it. And the Angus that we were running at the time, uh, which is not grown in Texas is just great. Our daily runner is awesome. Uh, But we wanted to take something uh, and run with it to the next level again to, you know, help fortify our identity and find that, that thing that's going to separate us. Right. And it just happened to be this, you know, American raised um, Wagyu and, uh, we got a hold of it, and it was love at first sight, you know, it's it's expensive, it is what it is, you know, it's sort of a lost leader for us, mm-hmm. uh, but again, it's something that we feel like we have to have on our menu, and that, you know, the proof's in the pudding, I mean, it is. it's so next level, and... And when you get a hold of it, you know immediately that you're on a whole other ride to strap in and hold on. Uh, and we just love it. Well and
1: people have picked it up. It we noticed that it sold out before your, yeah, your, it does. your other brisket. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's, it's it's it, it's definitely outproducing the Angus for sure. The
3: big part about at the front of the house and, and Jake's kinda of just being like really casual about like how he chose the the Wagyu, but you know, y'all know and everybody else knows that people want burn ins and they Ask first thing when they walk through the door is about burnt ends, and then we also know that we don't we don't make burnt ends. Like there's some people who actually make burnt ends. We actually only sell the real burnt ends that are, and you know there's only X amount on a brisket. It's hard to explain to everybody that there's only X amount, and there's you know it's it's the prime part of the brisket that everybody wants. We only have so much of it every single day, and so he wanted that flavor for our customers to be able to have some kind of brisket to offer them that has that kind of burnt end flavor but um, is not necessarily a burnt end but still has all that unctuousness that the burnt ends have.
2: Yeah, that, that fat that runs throughout the so, entire and meat. And so yeah.
3: when we have those people who say you don't have burnt ends, then we say, well, we have try, Wagyu try brisket, the wagyu. try the Wagyu, yeah. wagyu yeah. brisket. <laughs> it's, you know it's, you know, it's inherently, you know, it's inherently has a lot of, you know, it, it has all of that quality except for that it's a brisket. And so, He's real casual when he says that, but that was like that's what he was trying to achieve: is to be able to offer thing something to our customers that we couldn't offer because we just there was just not enough of it, you know. There's not enough burnt ends for everybody to have some, and it and it caught on. It caught on really good.
2: We we, we teased it earlier. Now we, we've got to we got to talk about the Luekenbach Volleypops mm-hmm. because <laughs> they're they're awesome. So how, how did those come to be? What was the was that a happy accident? Was that a plan from the beginning? How did the Luke and Bach lollipops
0: come to uh, be a menu item here? So I had stumbled across um, this old boy that's grown quail up in Lockhart, uh, you know, barbecue capital of the universe. And uh, he's the way he butchers this the quail was, was something that I thought was unique. And... Um, I had used them a couple of times on the ranch and the very first pop-up we did here, the first course the very first pop-up we did at, at uh, well it was the still the Sisterdale Smokehouse at that time uh, the first course was uh, prairie chicken and waffles so we did the buttermilk brined deep fried quail knots on top of a Belgian waffle with pan-seared prosciutto and a little bit of you know pure vermont maple syrup right it's just a winner prairie chicken and waffles and we've run it as a special a couple times here at blackboard since then because it just it's a killer and so you know we already laid the the groundwork down for that and it, so it was a shoe-in for the menu it was something we were going to have on the menu right out of the gate and because uh, it's a winner and you know, again, about building community and unity in the community, we love our Lukenbach people. Every time we talk about the Lukenbach lollipop, we're talking about, you know, Lukenbach, it comes up. So we get to, you know, sort of segue into that. And you're out here in the hill country, it's just a few miles down the road, stop by and tell them we sent you kind of thing, right? Like that. So there's another end to it also. I don't know if you've ever been to Lukenbach or not, Absolutely. or if you played down there those goddamn roosters are up there in the trees and you're in the middle of your song trying to play and sing and the rooster comes in right in the middle of it just walks and those, right through the place those too. sons of bitches don't come in on time either they just come in whenever they want to you know so each time i fire a lukenbach lollipop it's a little jab to those roosters too i'm not gonna lie
1: and, and just to explain it, it's, um, it's deboned except for one leg?
0: That's right. So the way it's butchered, it's, it's sort of almost like tied into a knot. There's the shoulder meat, the breast meat, the thigh meat, and the drum meat is all left out of So it's half a bird on each drumstick. They leave the, the drum bone in. So it's one and a half quail per order buttermilk brine deep fried set beside a little sriracha aioli a little bit of green onion over the top right so that's how it shakes out yeah it's it's a half a bird on each drumstick and all the best things in life come on a stick i mean it's right there it's it's quail on a handle you know
1: yeah there's there's a a a comfort food aspect to it but Mm. uh, the flash frying it's really clean fried um and and then like you said the sriracha aioli Really tops it off.
0: Sure, and you're a southern fried kind of guy, so you get it. I mean, it's you know, it's touching on all that great emotion that hits you right about here that that your mama's fried chicken brings you. We're just taking that's it. That's not a motion
2: That's an artery
1: clogging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not <on> a, <quiet,
0: laughs> right? a quiet.
1: It's night, you Right, right, the, right. You're
0: the arteries clogging. Um, it uh but it evokes that emotion right uh, we 're just taking it to another place, sprinkling a little chef 's dust on it, coming in with the quail and and again, you know there is something that touches on my hunter gatherer background you know we 're out hunting well partridge and pheasant where I came up and duck and whatnot, but still you know there 's a big um, quail population in Texas and it 's very much back on the upswing for you know, for all the hunters out there that are listening, of course. And, and if we can help bridge that gap by people that, that come in through our doors and say, yeah, sure. We could have just done some fried chicken, but how about some fried quail instead? And that helps to close the gap. I think in my opinion, and in my chef heart of hearts to be able to, you know, bring the game, bring the game aspect of that into the conversation right
1: it's a phenomenal phenomenal dish and one of the things is because you get to combine the dark and the white meat you Absolutely. get you get people away that, that think the breasts are the best piece of a chicken sure so you can get them into that that flavor yeah. as well mm-hmm. which is really good yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. the the asian themed slaw i thought was a good, it's a great contrast because it's got a bright you know contrast
0: the, being the operative you got it yep it's,
2: it's it's a really bright. Flavor and it gets you away from fatty meats for a little bit.
0: Well, that's the thing. Why take a traditional sort of goopy mayo, you know, fatty slaw and dump that on top of already rich, fatty, you know, unctuousness like we're talking about, right? So you're exactly right. It cuts right through it. And there in, in that uh, is the balance, right?
1: Let's keep talking about, about the sides. And, and again, as you mentioned earlier, Joe, you know, no potato salad, no beans. Yeah. Um, the sides, there's just as much thought put into the sides as there was to the meats and the choice of the meats. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the creamed corn. It's the
2: corn mock shoe. Yeah. Okay. F- flash it's fried Brussels For sprouts. two of us, it's cream it right. corn for Jake the other
3: wanted, <laughs> He wanted, he loves to do mock shoe. Jake loves to do mock shoe. Well, we a lot of do people
0: it. don't know what don't, mock shoe even and we is, don't, right? We, so. So
3: we, he does it a lot for, for caterings that he's done. He loves to do mock shoe. And so I was like, people don't know what mock shoe is, Jake. We're going to have to make it creamed corn. So let's, sure, it's more let's, recognizable Let's put in it the verbiage, together. Right. Yeah. Let's put both of those items together. Because I we did a, a corn dodger that, that went over very well. But um, in our kitchen space, it was really hard for us to do th- three fried items for these guys to execute. And it was slowing down production. And then at the and, end... And clogging arteries. And, and at the end, there was a lot of people who were not... like They weren't eating it as much. We weren't getting it ordered as much. So we were just like, we need to put something... Corn on the menu, but let's figure out what to do. And I i am a fan of cream corn. And so we met in the middle and, you know, we did a cream corn and he picked out the pork belly, bacon, poblano pepper instead of a traditional red and green bell pepper. Sure. Right? Yeah. And then the pork instead of it being ham like it is in, in a traditional mock shoe. Well, it can the pork be pork belly well, right. or the it's, bacon.
0: You know, Cajun, and then Creole, Native American, you can, you know, you can adjust it and tweak it all you want. I mean, it's the the usual suspects are are there. You know, they're certainly present. But that's that's the that's, beauty in it. Put your spin on it, right? And
3: it's not like yeah. that super creamy, you know, cream cheesy kind of cream corn. There's a, it's like a lighter version of cream corn. And so then we wrestled with uh, green onions on top. What do we put on top? Because we're me and Jake are real into texture on food. So we like to have some soft, crunchy. Like you'll notice, none of our food is it's it has multiple layers layers it. everything and, well
0: that's and, isn't yeah. that I mean that's those are okay so texture oh. and and height like in plating right are two things that are so often overlooked and so crucial right like in the chef's heart in the heart of hearts like when you build a plate and I don't care you know when I'm putting that food on that black chef's paper I'm looking at, you know, a 12-inch white porcelain plate with a deep well in the middle of it. Like, I, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a tray to me. I'm plating it just like I would plate it if if we were doing in a fine dining scenario. Because, again, I think that, that y'all as the consumer deserve that kind of respect, right? So height sort of implies this movement on the plate. And texture is so critical and so often overlooked, right, on the mouthfeel and the eating experience, to her point. Yeah.
3: So when we when we when jake came up with the brussels sprouts idea we had we love brussels sprouts we love fried brussels sprouts we love making them in the in the pan at home you know in the cast iron putting a little sweetness to it but obviously the sweetness wouldn't go necessarily like doing a balsamic or how we regularly eat them so we're like let's just flash fry them and not jake was like let's just flash fry them and not put any like breading on them or anything just the the brussels sprouts itself that bitter Brussels sprout crunchiness with that sweetness and see how that works out yeah. and that's how that cream corn was born yeah, sure it,
2: it works really well and I mean, and on top of it providing that textural difference when you eat it it also in, yeah. in the instagram world of things it pops on a plate too when you've got those textural differences those height differences mm-hmm. stacking the ribs things like that it matters. You know, Whether you, you know, it's a marketing tool. Every picture that someone takes of your food, sure. food is a marketing tool for it's you. All those little details, Absolutely.
0: right? And those are all little things that separate you that's, from the next that's guy, too. And yeah. that's
3: the Texas taters. That was part of that, is that there's movement in the food. Right. It's not just a... Me and Jake love... When we eat popcorn at home, it's got truffle oil. It's everything that's on the Texas taters is on our popcorn. And and (laughs) it's not just on the top. It's
1: it's it's the things that we notice, right? It's even though you have layers, it's not just things dumped on top of each other. There's there's intention to that.
0: So we were
3: like spiral. I did a lot of spiral vegetables and stuff for my clients because I, that was health and nutrition you are kind of things.
0: spiralizer. Yeah, so we were just like If you were going to be a superhero, you would be the spiralizer.
3: So I was like, why don't we just do spiral potatoes? And it, for me, it was like a, a very reminiscent of going to like I love going to the fair or the rodeo exactly. and you get those potatoes like that and there's, and there's like There's, there's that there's all whimsical that kind of make
2: you feel like a it. kid
0: kind of thing. Yeah, so it's I was like of yeah, that, yeah. And it's eating with your hands and that's barbecue. You better and, believe it. You know, roll right. your sleeves up and dig in yeah. if it's not dripping down. Down yeah. all off down to your elbows and what are we doing? Because we did I, with the... Give
1: people a tip: mm-hmm. get the Lokenbach lollipops and dip those taters,
0: Texas taters the into, oil. into the, the sriracha aioli. Oil. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's it. like yes. crack. Yeah. So,
3: that's, so that's how those things.
0: Not that we condone the usage of crack. <laughs>
3: <Yes>. <laughs> that's how the um, the Texas taters came on. It was the flavors that we loved, and then things that I did on a regular basis. So I was already spiral. What's spiraling a potato? Let's you know, like we took things that we already were comfortable with. And then we we did that to the menu. So, and,
2: and in in the spirit of a full menu experience, the desserts are equal quality to the sides and the meat. You know, and we we eat we ate the entire cobbler. And we've eaten half the carrot cake. <laughs> well,
1: right yeah. Now. Let's start with the cobbler since yeah. we're drinking whiskey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out to Buffalo Trace. Um, How you doing? So, because uh, it, it, the the whipped cream is real whiskey in whipped cream. Yeah. So, tell us about the cobbler and um, what went into that.
3: So. Um, Jake has this great cobbler recipe. It's the base recipe for a cobbler, which I'm sure came from somebody else, from somebody else, from somebody else, or Jake invented it. I don't know. Uh,
0: the original base recipe came from Leslie Travers mm-hmm. in uh, Casper, Wyoming. I adapted it and made it my own and was cooking out of Dutch ovens over open fires at 8,500 feet in the back country of Wyoming. Later on, after, after, Meeting Leslie and all that, and then made it my own, and then passed it on to you.
3: And then, I've used it in a lot of alliterations um, because it's a simple recipe, and we've tried to do other things like cobbler. Cobbler is standard for restaurants, right? I mean, for well, barbecue. Well, for or Texas or
0: fair yes, sure, it is. Yeah,
3: and so we want to do our. We do an in-season peach that we use fresh peaches and peach and blackberry that we.
1: And, okay,
0: I know and when so i I'm coming back. We, <laughs> yeah, that we is are like the strongest of them when all.
3: When we came around to this time of year, we were just like, well, I did a bread pudding. We did a sticky bun bread pudding that went really well. That It was kind of it was apple. It was almost... For me, it was reminiscent of when I was growing up. My parents took me to the donut store, and I got to pick one donut, and I always picked the apple fritter because yeah, it yeah. was the biggest one. Again, and I
0: the, the emotion it. behind it. Yeah, the and I would eat it the whole it. weekend, yeah. so that's yep.
3: that's what our yeah. bread pudding. And then people yep. were asking about the cobbler, and we did for last year for Thanksgiving, we needed a dessert for our Thanksgiving dinner because we're open on Thanksgiving. So I was like, well, pecans, we can Another good
2: it. thing to know, people. Thanksgiving. If you, if another shameless yeah. plug. Yeah, yeah I, I from think the, I know friends what we'll at Blackboard be... Barbecue. Well, so, since yeah. Brian like misinformed all of our listeners this Thanksgiving, yeah. and told everyone <laughs> to go to a place that wasn't open, yeah,
0: which, we'll go... which we were also oh, it's going to like as when well. a gal, <laughs> kind like, like when gonna... you're going <laughs> on your first date and a gal sends you to a joint exactly. that's not <laughs> open. It's like that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> did Blacks have any prosciutto when
1: you showed up? there? They did not. you know, but but Barrett has been working with a lot of meat, so maybe I'll ask him to make some.
3: So the um pecan cobbler was born for that. Just I love pecan pie and I'm a, I'm a pretty lazy baker. I want to be a baker. Like I really want to be a baker. If Babe, I, you're doing
0: a great job. If I, I get a, great a cookbook, job.
3: it's always a baking cookbook. I I look at you can ask Jake. I'm on Pinterest all the time looking at baking recipes to see, like, what, what can I start from a here whole and do...
1: rabbit hole. <laughs> so, so
3: I'm always looking at baking stuff, and I'm not a baker. That's not... My background it has always been savory, never sweet. But I enjoy baking a lot. But I'm kind of a lazy baker. So I like to make things taste like something else but not have it take the time. Like, we do a strawberry cheesecake cobbler that I'm too lazy to make cheesecake for everybody. You know, I'm too lazy to make pecan pie for you. So... If I can make my pecan cobbler taste like a pecan pie experience for you, then that's – I've done my job. So that's what kind of like how our cobbler and our bread puddings, how they transition into – we want them to taste like something else, but we just – you know, we have to be able to feed the masses. We have to be able to make a lot of it, and it has to be um, financially sound for us to do it and be able to sell it to you at a, a price that you're willing to pay. But that my favorite, favorite dessert that I make is that pecan cobbler.
1: It I think is it's, delicious. It's, and, and talking about height – and texture as well. I mean, there's multiple layers in there. Intentional, it's on ice cream mm-hmm. on the bottom. I mean, it, it, there, there's, again, you can see those things in the food, and you can eat, and you can and taste the it. And the whipped cream. And, yeah. So, yeah, as we talk about height, let's get to the very top there. <laughs> um, so so this is not uh, this is not store-brand whipped cream. This is... Jake's. Infused with whiskey.
0: Yeah, we do a little whiskey infusion on the creme for this dessert and then we come over the top a little bit of Saigon cinnamon which really sets it off and ties everything together Uh, and again you know those are the little touches those details that we talk about that we keep referring to when we say things like sprinkling on the magic chefs, dust, that's what we mean, you know. Like the uh, well, and you'll have the
2: foodie sector of people that come in and then will notice all those things and really appreciate it. Right, and then you may have the more simple eaters that don't necessarily know that they're appreciating it. Right, but they keep, but they well, know that it's something different than no, they've tasted
0: before. No, they they know they appreciate it, but they don't know why. They don't right. know why they're going yeah. yum 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 yum. <laughs> I don't know why I can't stop eating this <laughs> yum yum yum. That's like probably the really the <laughs> difference, right? Like the you know the foodie, and we uh, you all know who you are, you foodie. <laughs> <laughs> are going oh yeah well they're all I the ones that use leave the a little men. less almond <laughs> in this and you know whatever Anyway, a little bit more salt maybe next time <laughs> anyhow uh, you know but it's the little touches like that and and like with that blackberry peach cobbler like Joe was talking about you know we come in with a little bit of almond creme on that and the almond ties mm-hmm. those two fruits really together and and then you've got the soft middle part of the cobbler and the crunchy outside texture part of it again like that. This is part of our everyday conversation in the mm-hmm. kitchen, you know, of, of how we can make this thing better because it's never good enough.
3: And y'all the didn't day- try the chocolate chip cookies and milk milk and cookies is that was <laughs> what Why are you laughing?
2: <laughs> chocolate chip cookies are probably my favorite thing in the world. Anyway, go on the triple chocolate chip cookies. Dribble chocolate those, chip. Yeah,
3: those came into existence because Jake loves chocolate chip cookies. Well, so for for the two the two years before we even opened the restaurant, I was always trying to make the best chocolate chip cookie yeah. ever, and so Jake went through a lot of of changes through that recipe for us to get a recipe. That's
0: basically by changes. Chips. You mean pan sizes? Yes. You mean? Like <laughs> basically growing?
3: it's chips and then there's butter and flour to hold it together. Yeah. So it's literally, you look at that cookie and it's just a bunch of chips. And we like the idea being a little, cause Jake's super cheeky about everything. You see the names on the menu, like the way he likes to name things is And the milk and cookies was the idea of like for family thing, or you know, like we like to evoke those emotions.
0: Exactly. Anytime you can, you know, put some food down that makes you want to turn and hug your mom (laughs) after you eat it, or makes you feel like a kid again, uh, to me and to us and our chef, heart. You know that's that's a win. That's a victory. Yeah. You know, and it helps can, create
2: a memory too. Mm-hmm. It, you yeah, know, you know, food is about memory, and and when you have those nostalgic things like a glass of milk with some cookies, yeah, it doesn't get any more reminiscent than that. At least not for me. But not, uh, yeah, not, I concur.
0: I'm a of corn and bread. So. I mean, you get <laughs> yeah. it. It's just more you love. Yeah, you're not fat. You're husky. That's right. <laughs> Don't call bones. my
3: friend fat. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, guys, we're extremely excited that we finally got out here. It took us much longer than it should have. It will not take us much longer to get back out here. Um, You guys have received a lot of accolades recently and well-deserved. The future looks bright. Do you guys have any brilliant plans for the future that you want to talk about
0: that you don't want to talk about is fine, too? Well, we just at those uh, eyes. <laughs> we recently had uh, did a, another interview. Yeah, we were we were two timing. you. Yeah. and uh, we had a, a gal that's does some freelance writing for um, uh, Food and Wine Italia. And there's a new uh, uh, joint that opened up recently in um, the Lake Cuomo area in Italy, north of Milan. And they're doing you know Central Texas style barbecue. Right? It's called uh-huh. Blackett. It. Blackets. I heard of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. So we were just reading about them, right? It was just not not too long ago. And uh, so I had just been kind of reading on these guys. And then, you know, Joe had had contacts with this gal. She's a Bernie native. And uh, she, you know, married an Italian dude. And they live in Italy. And he's a photographer. And he shot stuff all over the country. Very interesting couple. So they were here the other day. And we had a nice interview. And they took a bunch of pictures and all this and that. And brought us a bunch of swag from from blackett awesome so, yeah and you know i'm italian my last name is in and we've ridden motorbikes all over that part of the world you know all through cuomo and those finger lakes and all that and whatnot and and uh i just think it's great that you know obviously clearly we're in this in this great you know sort of golden age of barbecue here in texas and it's really just sprawling out to the world not just america but to the world i mean i'm, I'm aware of joints in switzerland i'm aware of joints yeah. uh, in, sweden. uh sweden holy smoke in uh, sweden yeah. and and uh there's a dude in uh, madrid and then and these guys at blackett that just popped up in um in uh in the cuomo area over the last year right so anyways uh you know uh, we've been kicking around just doing this thing you know like doing a blackboard barbecue taking the taking the world domination tour you know on the road and <laughs> and doing a thing in spain so i wouldn't be surprised if you know, we set up shop in Spain, and like that might be like our next big thing when that would be when, when this thing has run its course, or when when we've you know sort of had enough of it, or it was time for yeah,
3: we're not fifty five and forty eight. I mean, I have sixty five. I have a shelf life. I
0: mean, <laughs> there is definitely a shelf life to this old boy for sure. Yeah, so I'm not opposed to paella in a smoker. You know what? We the reason we went to Spain was, was for the paella. to find the best paella right. in the world. It's one of my favorite dishes ever. Okay, in case you're wondering, the answer to the question is Casa Pepe's in Puerto Sherry, which is just south of Cadiz, over on the Portugal side of Spain. Okay? just the best. South of Sevilla. He cried. I cried like a little bitch. It's true. There's (laughs) actually a photographic sort of moment there where i was crying
2: with the paella don't worry it's texas barbecue there'll be a paella boudin in about two weeks at some barbecue joints <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <Yeah, we're laughs> oh, paella yeah, burn-in yeah, yeah. boudin. Yeah. boudin that's it man you got
0: it like, you
1: just did it <laughs> not be. your
0: intellectual property so don't <laughs> <laughs> think you're going to be that right. clever i invented it i invented it <laughs> trademark okay. yeah, yeah so i'll tell you what this thing here is not going anywhere anytime soon and, and we're in it for the long haul but yeah, big picture. If we take a couple of big steps back, we would love to bring some, some Texas barbecue to and
3: pecan cobbler
0: to, to Spain and 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 do it our way, yeah. you know, and, and bring that scene to to that part of the world for sure. Because uh, it's just we just love it. We love what we're doing. We love being a part of it, and uh, and and taking that community and that vibe, you know, like to the next level on the global level. I I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I mean it's we, it's need- it's definitely growing. And and the fusion and the cultures and everything. I mean, what exactly? Some of the things you're doing here are a perfect example of that. Like, what is the next level of Texas barbecue? Yeah, right. And it's not the same ribs, and it's not the same rubs, yeah. And it's not the same sides. Yeah. You're going back back to your your slogan, you know, it, it's changing those things up. And obviously, the international aspect of it is perfect. I mean, it, it goes along with what barbecue is. There's always going to be Lockhart. There's always going to be the same stayed items which is great sure. but I, I think you're an I example mean, as, well there,
0: as well there should be right, right. I mean, yeah we,
1: we've, we've said it
0: it's sort many of times. historical ding, ding, ding. in real time right it's yeah right. we want yeah. those I mean, places to
1: remain yeah. we don't want we, them to change we went but. to
2: Luling Lockhart a few weeks ago and had an amazingly enjoyable experience absolutely mm-hmm. yeah, but then we can go to places that do things like Luke and Bob lollipops and have an equally amazing experience on a sure. completely different and, level and that's totally yeah. okay yeah.
0: yep mm-hmm.
2: it doesn't have to be an either or scenario
0: absolutely mm-hmm.
2: Well, guys, we have taken up a, a lot of your time. You've been generous with it. We can't thank you enough for having us out here. Um, the food is great. The atmosphere is great. The story is great, and we're, we're excited that we got to tell it on the show and got hopefully more people getting out here. You know, not not that you can handle that much more people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys have been pretty yeah, slammed. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's if you have not been out the Blackboard yet, it's it's an absolutely
0: great day trip
2: to make, and yeah. and we hope everyone makes it soon.
0: Well, we sure appreciate y'all. We sure appreciate your time and. Okay. And uh thanks for coming out and, and carving out a little bit of time for us.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.